What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Welcome to All the Smoke, a production of The Black Effect and Our Heart Radio in partnership with Showtime. Welcome back, man. Season two of All the Smoke. We got a real special guest. What's up with your Brody with the virtual handshake? I'm going to tell y'all something that I never told nobody. I want All the Smoke. Welcome back to another edition of All the Smoke. Jack, what's going on, bro? My brother, we're back. What's going on? Man, I can't call it, man. Just getting through the day. It's my, my, my week with the kids, so it's nonstop twins ashton running around the fucking house opening everything so got a little pit stop real quick to uh knock this interview out today man how's everything out there man everything's good and speaking of ash you know sky's running around but speaking of ash my man taking showers already bro it's crazy it's crazy he like low-key like he can't get the soap in his hand but once i get the soap in his hand he can rub it on his body but he told me the other day he said daddy no and like shut the shit on me like he loves <laughs> like when I say this is shower time, this bro this dude will, you know, make his way upstairs fast up the stairs. You know how to take his diaper off, clothes off, and he's ready. So it's I saw it, it. at least I know he's gonna be clean. But anyway, You're doing a man. Great job, bro. Man, appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh but we got man, two time NBA champ, if I'm not mistaken, the only person in the history of the NBA to win a ring with the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, just recently signed a two-year deal with the Atlanta Hawks. Welcome, man, Rajon Rondo. 
Appreciate it. What's good, my guys? Y'all good? What's, what's yes, up, Nine? How are you? Yeah, we were supposed to do this. In, we were supposed to do this interview last week, but he was out. He was on vacation. The Wi-Fi was spotty, so we 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 had to push this. But I'm glad we finally uh, were able to track you down in. Yeah, you wherever show, you man. was, bro. You you had you had some lions and tigers and bears chewing on a Wi-Fi card. I don't know where you were. <laughs> yeah, it was it was, uh, it was horrible. So I'm glad we had to we could reschedule and got this thing going this, uh, today. Yeah. Well, yes, let's sir. get to it. You know, you come off a championship with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, what what year is this going? You're going into what year? Fifteen. Year going 15. into year fifteen. What was your deciding mm-hmm. factor um, to go back to the Lakers or take a lo- more lucrative deal um, with Atlanta? Um, number one priority was family. So uh, for me to be close to my family, uh, more on the East Coast, uh, and then obviously playing for a young organization, helping a lot of these young guys out. You know, they uh, they made a couple of made a call, and you know, once it was over, as far as the free agency signing. Uh, they gave me a call and told me how much they wanted me there and wanted to learn from me. So um, just glad that I made that decision. Being able to to be a veteran to Trey Young and going into this, knowing how much you're going to mentor him and us being players, we know the education you're going to give him. How how inspiring, how excited are you to go in and be able to give that game to, to one of the stars, upcoming stars in the game? I'm very excited. Uh, you know, we've been in the gym a couple of times already, uh, just kind of picking each other's brain and getting up some shots together. So. Uh, he seems like a sponge, and I'm ready to give him whatever I have. Uh, obviously, trying to lead him to the best point guard he could possibly be, and just understanding different dynamics of the game. So um, I'm excited to teach him and all the other young guys as well. But I think it's great too, from a standpoint of you're going to allow him to do more of what Steph gets to do, and which is play off the ball and come off screens and be able to catch the you know the pick and roll off the side on the run instead of everyone loading up to him up top. So I think, obviously, similar to what I feel like CP is going to do with Devin Booker, you guys got two young monsters next to you, and I'm sure you guys are going to both enjoy you know that opportunity of uh, of passing all your knowledge uh, of the game because you're one of the, the the greatest minds to ever play this game, man. So I'm excited because I think low key Atlanta's done really well in free agency. To me, yeah, they did. Done really yeah, well. We we definitely did. I would say that. So I'm excited. You know, I'm always, I love the underdog mentality and uh, being against all odds. So I'm looking forward to the challenge this year and and getting us to where we need to be. So are you, uh, you guys are out in Atlanta now. You mentioned before, are you, are you settled in yet? You ready? Because I mean, everything is right around the corner. I'm not settled in yet, but uh, I'm about a week away. Uh, like I said, still getting everything down here close. Uh, Shift from Cali, and uh, getting about to get. I'm almost close. Mm. What was it like, um, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you won a championship for the Boston Celtics. You won a championship for the Los Angeles Lakers. Has it kind of sunk in yet? Um, obviously, you still have more time. And, and until I finished, I didn't really kind of look back at, at anything I had done. But has it kind of sunk in that you won a championship for the two greatest franchises in the sports history? It's definitely sunk in. But, you know, as still being active right now, it's, you know, my, my main focus is obviously now going into the the season so quickly is the Hawks and, and helping us grow as much as possible. But, um, you know, I, I see it, I hear it every day, uh, understanding that what I've accomplished, but it still hasn't really hit it, sunk in for the most part. But I'm definitely aware and, and grateful for the opportunity to be able to just play this game for so long and one of the two most storied franchises in history. Uh, you know, it's definitely a blessing to do what I did uh, in my career so far. What ha- what has it been like, you know, just just being, you know, being a champion again? Like, you know, I, I got a chance to experience. Matt, Matt got a chance to experience, but being yeah. able to to be back on, at the top, being at the mountaintop twice, you know, how does that feel this, the second go around? Uh, it, it, for me, it's even better. You know, you obviously guys, you saw it. Um, it's a crazy quick story. When I won back in uh, 08, uh, E. House son, Eddie House son, was always on the sidelines and around, and. Um, 
you know, I was like, damn, that'd be dope. You know what I mean? Like if I had the opportunity to do the same thing, you know what I mean? So I wanted, you know, I wanted kids early. I had kids. My son's nine now. And, um, you know, for him to be able to come experience that in the bubble, let alone rewinding back last year when I hit the game, when shot against the Celtics, he was there, you know, on the floor. So, you know, for him to be able to experience that, you know, full circle, like me manifest that, you know, nine, 10 years later or 12 years later, uh, you know, to come full circle, uh, it was definitely a surreal moment to be able to have him there with me, uh, celebrate my, my second championship. So winning one at, at 20, 21, now I'm 34, you know, it's a big difference. You know, like I said, just having people around me that I love, being able to witness and experience that as well with me. So uh, it's been a hell of a run. You know, leaving the bubble was, it is what it is. But uh, after leaving, you know, I, I enjoyed myself on a nice vacation. We celebrated with the team. Uh, we kicked it with, you know, a couple of days in a couple of different cities and you know, just enjoying life every moment. You got you, you to gotta blow that pitch up, though. With, with you and your son on the court, that has to be oh, in the yeah. house. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I can't, I can't and if you ever decide to drop an album, if you ever decide yeah, to drop a little, on, uh, 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 like, like, like Meek did, a little quarantine pack of four right. songs, that right. got to be the Hell cover. Yeah. That got to be the cover. Hell yeah. That was, that was a beautiful picture. It's funny you said that because that was my best experience. Obviously, I got hurt going into the playoffs and, 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 and didn't play as much, obviously, as I'd want to and when I won a championship. But the best thing was the, the twins were there. So, you know, Steve Kerr let them fly on the plane, go to practice with us, be in the hotels be in the locker room be on the sideline and when we had an opportunity to win it these two little dudes are up next to Stephen clay trying to hold the championship trophy and try to get the mvp trophy from from uh, from kd you know what i mean right. so that was the best moment that's still when i talk about it what gives me chills about it is because that's something you can't pay for that's something you can't Damn. unless you're in the moment you'll never understand what it means to that kids um and a little side note i think a great thing he's just he, your, your son is the same age the twins were when we won it and i got them championship rings for christmas and they lost their minds so i know oh, yeah. uh they may they may replica little rings too if you need an idea for a christmas present just want to throw that out there absolutely yeah, right yeah, y'all already hit jason like line them up yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's what's up yeah. you mentioned real quick which i thought was interesting because we haven't really talked about this was leaving the bubble what was it like going back into society because you guys i mean although you you know you had an injury you went and then you left and then you came back but after being in the bubble just the whole overall process what was it like leaving it was definitely different, you know. Um, you know, I might be able to always adjust in my environment, wherever the case may be. So I kind of got right back to it. Um, went home to, for the, with the kids for a couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, actually went to Miami, chilled for a couple of days. Went back to LA and just kind of just kept it moving. You know what I mean? I st I'm really a homebody, so got the kids around. Went to the house. Obviously during COVID, you can't do much anyway. So we kind of just chilled and relaxed. Uh, you know, got in some water and then I took my vacation. So I, I was right back to it. And like you said, I, I was home for six weeks, so I didn't have to go through as much as my teammates did. So you know, I was, you know, in, in, a, in a certain sense, you know, I was kind of blessed as far as I had to go through that, endure that that long time. I think it was 102, three days. Mm -hmm. So I got to go home, come back, and it's kind of just lock in and go from there. Just, just focus on the goal. Kind of got to restart. I don't know if it was rumors or not, but I heard you had questioned even coming back after that thumb injury. Was it was that rumors or was that true or? Um, I had questions. I wasn't even thinking about going into the bubble initially. Um, you know, that was a thought in my mind uh, during the quarantine times. Uh, like I said, just want to be closer to my fam. Uh, but after I broke my thumb, I, I didn't have doubts or it's not that I didn't want to come back. It was just um, a matter of, you know, I've, this is my third surgery uh, on my mm -hmm. right hand in two years. You know what I mean? So it was kind of 
understanding like I gotta now I gotta figure out what's my bone density in my hands like so I gotta think differently of how I gotta protect my body and you know be able to you know withstand whatever you know I endure. To me, you consider you know we got a little we got a little uh, segment where we got we talk about the point guards and we call them point guards and you a point guard you consider you fall into that point guard category. Uh, what was it like bringing point guard Rondo playoff Rondo back in the bubble? Uh, it was it was amazing. It was an unbelievable feeling, you know, just the, the mindset and the mentality that I had going into the bubble. I was able to completely focus uh, everything I had into the game. Uh, you know, I limited my distractions. And like I said, being in a bubble helped, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's so much we can do. Um, you know, I'm not really a gamer. Uh, we started, I started actually when I come back and breaking my hand, I started a game with the guys. But when we, we lost our first game, I was pissed and I couldn't really focus on gaming anymore. So. Uh, you know, I was kind of locked in with the, with the game plan and understanding what we can do to, to win and, and dominate the game. So uh, for me, it was just a straight mentality just to, you know, try to get it done. That was the goal going into the season. Uh, that was the expectations for me and, and what I had for the team. And we all had the same goal. So uh, our attention to detail, what, what Frank was able to do with us in the bubble. And, and like I said, during film, how guys were able to learn so quickly uh, on the fly without even going through it on the court, really. You know I mean? We have a five, 10 minute walkthrough, but it was it was light. You know, we had on hoodies, flip-flops, like it wasn't, you know what I mean, like a, a taped uh, walk or anything like that. Like I said, we was picking it up on the fly, going to the game and making quick adjustments. Mm. You don't, do you like when they call you playoff Rondo? Like you're someone different? See, um, Max, I did the first thing I think, and Max, uh, he broke it down differently on why people consider that. But uh, my main thing is, you know, and when you have a couple of days of rest, you have a couple of days of preparation. Uh, being able to lock in on one team, you know, I think, you know, everybody can elevate their game in, in a sense, you know, it's about the dedication or the knowledge of the game uh, to some levels. But uh, when you got those things that come into play, it's easy. And also, you know, during the playoffs, if look at my career, I pretty much got more time in the playoffs. And I believe that's when coaches allow me to, you know, I would say, like Isaiah said, it be a magician with the ball and manipulate the game, put people in spots to where I know a guy's going to make a mistake weak side and I can, you know, put my best shooter there if I want to get him a shot. So it's just, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's what coaches then allow me to do in the playoffs is just be me and they understand at that point, it's like, okay, cool. He wants the same thing I want is a win. You know what I mean? That's the only thing that matters. So, uh, you know, all, I think they give me more leeway to manipulate the game and, and make me uh, you know, have, a, have an impact on the game. In, in that's what I ways. get out of it. That's what I get out of it when, when they say playoff Rondo because I, I, I know the difference between me in the regular season and the playoffs. And I know your your mind is one of the – being one of the – you know, you and Chris Paul are two smart, part of smartest point guards in the game. I know your mind works different in the playoffs because every game counts. And every and we know you only got to be the best team in this series for four games. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you locked right. in and you, and you see different things to get these teams. So I understand when they call you playoff Rondo because I know your IQ probably goes up 10 times higher in the playoffs. But, you know, being able to, you know, work with, you know, a lot of great minds this year, you know what I mean? I was a sponge as well. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. always say, um, I'm this. I, I always, I don't want to be the smartest in the room. You know what I mean? Like, I got to surround myself next to Brian, you know, uh, Frank Vogel, Phil Handy, Jay Kidd, mm-hmm. Mike Pembrady. Like, it's just a lot of great minds that, you know, I'm like, give me everything you got. Like, shit, critique mm-hmm. me, critique us. Like, mm-hmm. how, what, you know, what's your mindset? So, uh, you know, in the future, you know, you never know where I want to be down the line as coaching right. or GM, whatever the case may be. It's like, I want to know, you know, what the greats, what's the greats, uh, you know, what the yeah. greats' mindsets are and how they think. Yeah. That's where I you mean, belong. That, 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 for sure. That's, that's, that's iron sharpening, sharpening iron. But I wanted to touch on, you know, going into a locker room 
with Braun, seeing that you guys are natural born leaders, your guys' mindset, the attention to detail, your discipline, your hunger to win. What was it like collabing, you know, obviously with one of the greatest players of all time from a mental standpoint? It was yeah, it was a hell of an experience. You know, like I said, I was uh, he was very vocal this year in film uh, as far as helping the young guys understand what, what they need to be and where, where we need to be as a team. So uh, I was like I said, I was learning uh, on the fly on the court, you know, just picking his brain, studying him, his, his body of work, the way he moves. When I go back and watch film, I used to always watch film of myself and then I watch film of, uh, of him, A.D., you know what I mean? Just understand where they want the ball, where they're great at. So that's just um, you know, that's just kind of how my mindset was going into it, like I said. But to be able to play with him and pick his brain daily and understand his discipline of, of what he's done to be able to become you know, so dominant in year 17. It's, uh, it, was, it was fun to watch. It was great to be next to and understanding, like, okay, this is elite. You know, I, I played with so many elite players at, at a high level. Damn near, I would say more than 15 first ballot Hall of Famers. So, um, you know, to see the, you know, the best at the best, uh, it, it was a hell of a ride these last couple of years, just, you know what I'm saying, just watching them. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 million black businesses initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. 
AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You came in and picked up where you left off, which was crazy to me after six weeks off and a broken thumb. It's like you said, a, a, third, a third surgery on, on the same hand. Tell me what it was like being a younger player in the playoffs and then your mentality as a 15-year vet or a 14-year vet and coming back and knowing exactly where you need to be and how you can affect the game in the most because you put up solid numbers but just your presence on the court allowed LeBron to kind of exhale a little bit and you were able to run the show on both sides of the floor. Well I mean like I said that's you know to sum it up really that's just about trust you know what I mean like LeBron was able to trust me and I told him you know what I mean like I got you you know what I mean I'm I damn sure don't want to let anybody down myself down, but I'm not going to let anybody down. It's, I'm going to make mistakes, but, you know, if I make a mistake, I'm probably going to make up for it two times in the next two or three minutes. So it's just, that was just my mindset and just having energy and, and want to become, uh, you know, the best player on the court. You know, even with him on the court, my mindset is to be the best player on the court at all times. And um, I was able to do that, like I said, with trust in my teammates and, and my coaching staff. So I have to give them credit. But just having a mindset, like I said, when I was 21 in the playoffs, going to get going at it, you know, I had three greats. You know, a lot of other great teammates. I had three greats behind me, and I knew they had my back from day one. So uh, I did have to earn their respect, which, you know, was obviously expected, which was not a problem. But having them behind me, understanding, like, you know, they they gave me leeway. You know, they, they pumped the confidence in me. I saw those guys work at, a, at an early age, and it was only right that I followed suit. You know what I mean? Like I said, having that competitive drive, wanting to win, I was able to learn, you know, some, some of the things I had and put it with theirs and just pick each one of their brains, you know, the P.J. Browns, uh, Keon Dooms. Like, I had a lot of great vets, Sam Cassell, Tyron Lue. Uh, so they were on me daily, and they helped me grow. And then fast forward 15 years later, for 14 years later, um, you know what I mean? I was able to just come back, you know, with the grace of God. You know, like I said, I broke my hand. And then I was supposed to play in the Portland series. 30 minutes before tip-off, my back locked up. I'm out another week. So I missed that series completely. So I'm thinking like, damn, you know, I've been out for seven months. <laughs> I'm coming right back in the heat. So I had to bring in this understanding, like I said, make sure my body was, was right. You know, I still could lift. Even though I broke my thumb, I was I was on it daily lifting. Um, I was doing yoga you know, every other day, just trying to lock in and make sure my body was right coming back. So I don't have any lower extremity, um, you know, mess up. So that was just my mindset. That's it. I love hearing that. But take me back to 2021-year-old 20, Rondo being the floor general uh, to win your first championship in Boston with, you know, like you said, the likes of Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce. You guys had a hell of a uh, team. I think Tony Allen was on that team too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. TA, you guys had, yeah, a lot of a yeah. lot of different personalities, but you were the one, you were the, you know, from, from the outside looking in, you were the pulse of the team, but you were only – you were the youngest at the same time. So what was it like yeah. navigating that team? And what did you learn from actual on the court experience? And then also <laughs> having Doc next to you? Because, you know, I've personally, you know, Doc would tell stories how you guys would butt heads sometimes because what? you see things one what? way. Yeah, get into that shit for us. <laughs> so shit, let's, let's start with the Doc. Let's start with okay. Doc. Uh, yeah. Man, my first year, um, you know, we lost 18 straight at one point. 
I'm like, man, what the fuck? You know, like, I can't get no burn. You know what I mean? I ain't even get me in the game. He's he's just, I don't know. I'm going to get into a little bit. I ain't go crazy on it. We used to get into it, basically. So, fast forward. They, the trade happened. You know, the same year, seven players go. KG, I think they, I heard KG said he wanted me to stay. So, boom, we win a championship. But throughout that year, it was tough, yo. But Doc helped me get through it, obviously. Uh, understanding, you know, he's played, I think he played with two Hall of Famers at the time and just how to navigate and keep those guys happy. Um, you know, I, I think I, I'm blessed and fortunate. Like I said, I, I played baseball, football, basketball, all three growing up. So I kind of had that leader mentality, leader mindset growing up as far as just being a believer and being a student of the game, whatever I wanted to, to accomplish. And that'll show those guys or earn their respect, you know, but with my, my, my knowledge and my work ethic. You know, you can't deny me. Or you can't, you know, not hand me the keys and, you know, giving them granted. Uh, they didn't, you know, necessarily obviously want to give me the keys at first. I had to earn their respect. I did that throughout the season. Um, they didn't still trust in me. I, I communicated to my guys all the time on the court. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I pride myself on having the most touches. There's a stat back in the day when Steve played. And um, I think one year he had beat me in most touches uh, with his teammates. You know what I mean? As far as, like, coming back, running back on defense, touch, or coming out of timeouts, touch, like, you know, that that mindset, you know, also helped me kind of earn their respect and just the gathering that I could probably kind of bring teams together. Uh, to Bro, hey, that is, I don't mean to cut y'all, but see, that's that's how you set them apart. Who thinks about stuff like it's that? It's crazy, bro? right? I love hearing this shit. I love hearing this shit. I love it. Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a stat. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a stat. I saw Steve beat me one year. I was like, "Damn, that motherfucker beat me." I mean, like that's what, you know, that's just like I said how I am. But it it's, it wasn't forceful. Like I said, it's always you know me being the point. You know what I mean? Like everybody runs bad as a point guard. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, okay, good shot, good deed. Way to set that pick. Like just you know positive encouragement and, and, and talking to my team to where you know we feel confident about what we're doing and we ready to lock the fuck in. Everybody know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Only stat Jack knew was motherfucking uh, FGAs. <laughs> FGA. Speaking of that though, that's that's what Danny. That's the key thing Danny told me. Game six back in '08, he was like, "Oh, MTs tonight, FGAs." He said, "He said put them up against Kobe." He said, "Put them mm -hmm. up. No matter mm -hmm. how you play, you got to be aggressive." I end up shooting 21 field goals at that game. See, I remember that though because I obviously you know being in the league the same times. I remember Kobe used to play you under the free throw line sometimes. You right. know what I mean, and right. and it kind of clogged the defense up for everyone else for all the curls and all the shit in the yep. paint, and it, and it took you to be more aggressive for him to come out and and, and, and motherfucking guard you. Right. So he was the first to do that. Then obviously he set the he set the trend. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. A couple years later, I think Brown was playing like that in the playoffs. You know what I mean? They put a bigger mm -hmm. guard on me, that mm -hmm. type of mentality. So I was like, okay, cool. I got to figure out how to dissect this. I got you know this is this is playoff. Okay, I get it. Okay, now I got to mm -hmm. elevate because I think throughout the playoffs, no one had played me that way. And then Kobe, you know, that's why, you know, rest in peace, one of the greats. And I love competing with him because he, uh, he understood the mindset of the game and just how to, you know, we, it was a chess match out there. And I love playing against it with him, you know. And also, you know, obviously, I got to give Phil Jackson credit as well. What is it about, like, you and, like, J. Kidd, like, even J. Kidd, like, y'all wasn't shooters now. Now nah, they can't leave y'all open. Mm -mm. <laughs> That's what he tell me too. But now, nah, this you know, this working and not giving a fuck. You know what I mean? Shit. Yeah, but on some real shit, that not giving a fuck meter has to be really high. And to me, that's the only thing holding Ben Simmons back right now is that I don't give a fuck meter. And once you get over that crazy. I don't give a fuck meter, you good. The crazy part is you look around the league, there's niggas shooting three for 17. I'm like, what the Come fuck? Come on, for real? <laughs> this nigga, they say he's a shit go. Okay, bet. 
All right, okay, cool. Yeah. All right, let me get up twelve three, <laughs> nigga. I'm a five five of the motherfuckers too. What you talking about? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. For real. Nah, but you, but you got, but now. you got to get over that though. Like you said, how what was it difficult for you to get over that? You embraced it right away because you are a pass pass first type of guy. So was it hard for yeah, you to I, actually take that mentality on? It, it was, you know, still at times, you know, I, it's just my mindset is always thinking open man. But, you know, the, the way the game is played today, the way I'm able to stay in the league now, like I said, they've been telling me I got to take it. So, um, like I said, I'm, I'm looking for that motherfucker. I'm trying to get him up. You know what I mean? I ain't, I ain't got nothing to lose. You know what I mean? I'm going to make an yeah, impact yeah. in the game so many other ways. So, fuck it. I get 3D bitches on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, back, let's, let's go back to Bron, uh, Rondo. Give me one thing that you can say you actually learned from the Kang. I call him the K-A-N-G, the Kang. One thing I actually learned. As far as game-wise, like, we're talking about or, 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 anything, or, 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 anything, or, anything. Or, or just something you previously didn't know about him. You know what I mean? Like, you hear a lot of different things. Like, what is something you learned from him that you just didn't know? Like, damn, okay. I mean, I, I'm going to say it's discipline. I just think it's discipline, yo. Like I said, he got the best guy working on his body in the game. Uh, and everything he do is, you know, is, is routine, you know, strategically routine as far as rest, diet, you know what I mean, like from top to bottom. Um, only person other than that was KG, but like I said, LeBron, it's the way he's daily doing exactly what he needs to be doing it is unmatched. So it's it like shows. You, 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 I can tell you that, but you can't really understand it until you, like, see it, like, damn, like, I see him every day, like, and he's – he ain't taking no shortcuts. Like, shit, mm. he on it, locked in. Mm. Love it. So. Putting them days together. What was it like yeah. going from being a Boston Celtic to winning a championship for the Lakers the year Kobe passes? It, it was a lot. Uh, this was the uh, emotional roller coaster year. Uh, winning it. You know, for Kobe, the year Kobe passed is, is unreal. It's something you couldn't imagine. Obviously, me playing against him a couple finals, uh, you know, in the in the same uniform. So um, it, it was it was a tough one. Uh, so we all understood the, the, the mindset and the goal of what we had, to, what we were trying to attain, and who we were doing it for. So uh, to be able to, you know, kind of like I said, say that and full circle accomplish your goal, uh, it, it was a surreal moment and. It's definitely something you know we'll be grateful for. I'm sure the rest of our life. So it was a dope moment. It's been mm -hmm. a, it's been a dope moment despite everything else. You know what I mean? Just being able to uh, share some light in that in that aspect. Yep. I mean, it's been amazing to me. You know, people talk about this should be an asterisk. To me, this should be a gold star considering what the world was going through, what you guys had to go through to, to, to get in the bubble and, and stay safe and still carry your message and still be away from your family. To me, the game is 90% mental. Once you get to this level, everyone can pretty much do everything. So who mentally, like you said, with bronze discipline, or who can really lock in for this time and understand the task at hand? So for all those people that say, oh, this is an asterisk, this shit, and then, man, fuck that. This got to be a gold star considering yeah. how fucked up it how fucked up a year 2020 has been as a whole. Absolutely. I can't wait to wear my ring. <laughs> 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 
I'm just gonna wear more than I want. My last one, but both of them, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw I saw Braun, he did an interview with Richard Jefferson um not too long ago, and he said the one thing he was disappointed was was not being able to party with his teammates. Obviously he said, you know, the locker room is cool, the parade is cool for the fans, but then and I heard before this you guys are a really close team. You guys moved as a unit. So how disappointing was it for you, even though you're an old Wiley vet and you want to sit at home with the family, to not be able to party with your team? You know, when you win a championship, because those obviously them shits don't come around all the time. That's the time to turn up. That's the right. time you get passed. Everybody get a pass. You could turn right. up. Right, <laughs> man. So no, nah, it was a, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, like it wasn't you know, what you would expect. Uh, it was difficult. You know, just you just gotta appreciate what we did. You know, we didn't get the opportunity to kind of go crazy and celebrate it uh, due to the situations. But you know, that's just how twenty twenty's been. You know, it's just mm-hmm. you roll with the punches. Like I said, as far as up and downs, you. You take your wins when you can and understand, you know, some things are uncontrollable. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll reunite, you know what I mean? Like, shit, we still out here, so. Mm-hmm. And it's something they can never take away from us. So it, it, it might not be the ideal right after right after the, the chip championship celebration, but we'll figure some shit out. And a lot of guys we got on this team, you know, we can make some moves. Um, growing up in Louisville, Kentucky, multi-sport athlete, um, similar to me, didn't really tune in to basketball until I got older. Like I watched the Lakers, but outside of that, I wasn't really following college basketball, no hoop like that. I was just out there playing sports. When did basketball become serious to you? It became serious to me probably with my senior year at Oak Hill. You know what I mean? Like I, I played mm. multi-sports growing up. Uh, no, nah, I'll take that back. It might have been serious. Maybe junior year. I'll say junior year, I would say. But I still didn't know, you know what I mean? I had an opportunity to kind of get to the league, but I understood that, um, you know, I had a mentor growing up that I met when I was like 15 years old, um, Derek Anderson. And yeah. when I met him, like I said, I'm from Kentucky, so I didn't watch basketball growing up. I didn't watch football. Like, I was outside playing. So uh, we didn't have a professional team in Louisville, and I was just always outside active, so I didn't, I didn't grow up a fan of anybody or anything. And like I said, once I met him, uh, you know, he, he exposed me um, to a lot of different things, a different life, basically. You know, he picked me up. I was like, that's all we're doing is chilling. Though. He worked out two, three hours in the morning. The rest of the day, he got chill. I'm like, damn, this is what you're doing? I'm like, you who? <laughs> like, yeah, we, you know, we, we drive out to a, we drive to a big-ass crib. I'm like, damn, nigga, you doing it? Like, got seven cars. I'm like, okay, the life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> chill, okay, cool. Work out who? Let me, let me focus on, let me lock in and try to get, you know, go this way. Because, you know, at, to that point, I was just, I was just out here, you know, with, just being a 15, 16-year-old kid, you know what I mean? Not really, mm-hmm. no really goal. Just got a lot of kids in the neighborhood. We kicking and we doing whatever we're doing, trying to get through school. So once I met him, uh, my high school coach, Doug Bibby, flew me out to Sacramento to start working out with Mike Bibby. So I'm like, okay, cool. Mm. Niggas think I can hoop. You know what I mean? I'm over playing ones against these niggas. They ain't killing me too much. See what I got. Let me focus a little bit more. Um, then I went to Oak Hill Academy. I got my boy, my brother to this day, Josh Smith. And... Um, the league, they coming, they coming to scout him. The league coming to see this nigga. I'm like, shit, he, they coming to see him. You know, we had ones every day going at it in practice. I'm like, shit, I can keep up with this nigga. He just, you know, six eight, a freakish athleticism. But you know, I, yeah. I, I got some shit too. So once, <laughs> once they start looking at him as the league, I, um, I kind of was like, oh, I can get this, I can go get it. You know what I mean? That's kind of my mindset. That's when I really kind of locked in my senior year. I went from damn near record 128 to making McDonald's my senior year, and then. Um, it was on every cent. I mean, I got matched up with a couple, you know, Sebastian Tilford, uh, Sean Livingston. Uh, we had, a, we had, I think, one of the best McDonald's classes of all time. Uh, I'm arguing that with anybody. So, uh, class 04. 
you know, we I think we had 14, 13, 14 go out of the league, straight out of the league, mm. and go to, to the league. So, uh, you know, once I once I got to that point, I was like, it, it's on. I was pissed, really. I had to go to school. Everybody, all <laughs> niggas went, uh, went out of high school. I'm like, damn, I ain't even no good. I'm going to Kentucky. But I'm like, shit, everybody went to the league. So I had to go to school for a couple years, and, you know, here we are. It's funny you say something about Oak Hill because – my going into my junior year, you know, after winning the state championship in Texas, I started getting the name for myself. And I started, you know, looking at basketball more serious. But once I got to Oak Hill and I got a chance to experience traveling all around right. the country, playing against the top players and holding my own, I think that's what made it real for me. You know what I'm saying? Because before I got to Oak Hill, I never thought about making the McDonald's game. You know, I had a, right. I had a dope class, too. Kobe, Jermaine O'Neal, Tim Thomas, Rip Hamilton. I had a Mike Bibby. I had a dope class, too. But... To make, going to Oak Hill made me realize that I could make it. You know what I'm saying? I heard you kind right. of speak on that earlier. Absolutely. Same. Likewise. Exactly. Like I said, when I got to Oak Hill, got to Josh, we, we played 44 games that year, like 37 were on the road. You know what I mean? So that was just already mm. getting a set. If we did, like most of us did go to college, you know, had that mindset to still be able to do academics on the road and then make sure you get your grades working to the hoop. So we were prepared for it, uh, you know, at a young age. The hardest part was just living on the hill. Shit. Man, I'm talking about <laughs> girls on one side, dudes on what? one side. You can't, you can't cross a line. Yeah, gun, gun line, boss. You man, get caught with a girl, on you, you suspend. Ooh, man, man, yeah. You get caught what? with a girl, you suspend it off the rip. No, no questions asked. <laughs> right. Bro, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I made it happen, though, man. Yeah. I made it happen, man. All right, if any motherfucker sneak a bitch and have her underneath the bed, it would have been you. <laughs> but anyway, back to business. Uh, what was the rec recruiting process like? You chose Kentucky. You played for Tubby Smith. Did anyone else get a real consideration or being, you know, born and raised from there? That's where your mind was from the beginning. No, actually, um, I was, uh, I got an offer from Louisville my junior year before I went to Oak Hill. And I said, no, I'm going to wait. Uh, so a lot of people thought, but you don't ever offer me. But I'm like, you know, it didn't really make a difference. I kind of wanted to wait to see where I was at once I got to Oak Hill. So I, was supposed, I had about five visits set up. I never took none of my visits. And um, being a, being at Oak Hill, you know, I was like ten hour drive from from the crib, and my mom was, you know, my biggest, my number one fan, uh, number one fan. So I wanted to be close to her. You know what I mean? Like going away from Oak Hill, I, I miss home like crazy, uh, and I, I wanted her to be able to come travel and see me. So Kentucky had, I think, four or five seniors leaving that year. I had the opportunity to come in and start right away, and shit, it was close to the crib. And we had like I think number two recruiting class coming in. We had Randolph yeah. Moore, Joe Crawford, Mel Bradley. Uh, Chuck Hayes was there already, Clint Azabuki. So I was like, shit, you know, we can go ahead and rock it out and figure it, you know, try to get to the league from there. Biggest mm -hmm. platform. Mm -hmm. How was it being a part of that Kentucky legacy? Man, it's still to this day. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's unreal that I played for arguably in basketball, three of the most storied mm -hmm. franchises. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm -hmm. I'm, I mean, recognized all over. I mean, like I said, right, I behind, right, behind, right behind UCLA, but I feel you. Go ahead. <laughs> hey. No, we we ain't done hey. shit lately. No, it's definitely Kentucky now. I mean, UCLA is 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 played out, unfortunately, but it's definitely Kentucky is the mecca uh, for college basketball now. That's for sure. And point guard academy, right, right. Y'all ain't oh, been so. shit since those Bannon brothers. Man, for no, you ain't lying. <laughs> Absolutely right. Now, Russ and Kevin Love and them had their nice little run, but never won a championship. Like we ain't won a championship since '95. Drew was on that team, wasn't he? Uh, I think Drew was a little older. It was Darren oh, okay. Collis. It was Darren Collison, oh, Russell Darren Westbrook. Okay, right. uh, yeah, Kevin Love. They had a good team, but could never get over the hump. And then we had a dope team too. But 
our coach was only a couple years older than us. Lav had just like turned 30, so that motherfucker was out trying to chase hoes just like we were. So we we all, we had like nine pros or eight pros go pro off our team, but we didn't win shit. Uh, oh my god, this dude is sick. So man. you decided you decided to make that jump. Um, the Knicks passed on you at 20, and you went 21 to the Suns. Did playing and being an, but, but did being a Nick ever cross your mind in the thoughts of what it would be like to to, to, to be a point guard and for that? It is a historical franchise, even though they haven't done nothing in a long time. But just thinking, of like changing the culture and the mentality, did that cross your mind seeing that they were right there? No, not, not initially. <laughs> not at all. I didn't give a damn where I went. I was on my name called. It's so crazy because no. Uh, no. The, the nigga that went in front of me, the dude went in front of me. Uh, his name is Ronaldo Balkman. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Him. that's they, who got they knocked said, out by Melo, right? R, they said the rug. I was like, ah, okay, what the fuck? You know what I mean? So I, they got me. I thought I was ready to get picked by them. <laughs> oh, no, that wasn't. He was just on the team. My bad. 24 win season. Then it all changed the summer when you get KG and Ray Allen. Y'all bounce back. Tell me what happened. Tell me how the team changed when y'all had those guys. So of course. I mean, it was from jump. You know, it was, it was the chemistry from jump. I think those guys came in. We all came in about maybe three weeks earlier than camp and started a hoop. And from the first game of pickup, uh, the biggest difference I noticed was, was KG yelling. You know, he, I'm up top on the ball. He's yelling, screen, screen, screen. I'm like, damn, this nigga ain't even nowhere near me yet. So I was like, it was a different, you know. It was just, it was just easy playing with him. You know what I mean? Like, he he told you where to be, what, what was happening behind you. And if you got a guy behind you, just to be able to Man, talk, you know. your eyes. You defense. need your eyes. You yeah, need your like, eyes. The, People the game is easy, that. so. He was able to, you know, quarterback me through that. And that, from that moment on, I knew, like, this shit was, was on. You know what I mean? Just having a guy that can quarterback behind me versus me and not being always on back line, having to say shit. Like, I had a big fella that knew the game as well. So, having him behind me, being able to quarterback it. And then, like I said, it goes along with our work ethic. You know, we went to Rome right away. That helped from jump. You know, we got our chemistry from, from day one. Uh, going on a, a trip overseas where shit, you don't have anybody to talk to but yourself. Everybody's speaking a foreign language. Uh, we got into there. We were able to lock in and just just understand what we were, we were trying to accomplish that year. And the mentality and that mindset for me, being able to experience that, being around the, the, the great leadership. And when they brought in Sam Cassell, uh, one of my, my closest uh, coaching staff buddies was Armand Hill. You know, he's still with us. Mm, my guy too. Armand, Armand yeah. Hill. Hey, that, hey, did he used to motherfucking take it? Did he used to take his shoes off and everything and sit on them hot packs? Uh, oh, no, that was uh, my bad. That was uh, old dude from the uh, Lakers with Phil Jackson, my bad, Armand. But uh, Armand was cool, cool, real cool dude. Hey, you know, KG KG said the same thing when he was on the show. He was like, from that first practice, how we competed, how he felt like everybody was on the same page and came in to work. He said the exact thing, bro. He said, from that first practice, he knew that y'all had something special. Man, we used to dog it, yo. We used to, we used to have it called uh, G-Unit Runs. That's when you play one on one and you couldn't call a foul. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. was just like we weren't going crazy, but it was like nigga ain't ain't no soft ass foul. They was playing like I said, mm. bigs would line up on one end and the guards line up on the other end. We would go at it. We was playing ones before the games, so getting it in. Well, speaking hey, speaking of KG, uh, you know, obviously to to land him was huge. He was talking about other teams and possible situations where he went. But I, when we interviewed him on the show, and I quote, he said, "You got to keep the little African kid, yo." If I come to Boston, <laughs> you got to keep the African kid. Yeah, he keeps telling that sorry hey. ass story. <laughs> he keeps saying that shit. Yeah, that's, Yo, the, we that's, started, that's his truth, though. 
Hey, but he said, I mean, but, but, but to hear that, it, it, it is what it is. But to know someone of Kevin Garnett's caliber knew that you were a young and up-and-coming main piece for that team, how did that make you feel? I'm sure that had to give you a lot of confidence. Oh, definitely a lot. You know, like I said, it was so crazy that um, I was sitting at the crib at my mom's house in Kentucky uh, when the trades were happening. Uh, I think it was before the draft. And like I said, my name was on the board the first two days. Along with you know six other guys, I'm like, damn, we going, to, I'm going to Minnesota. I'm like, fuck, but I'm like, I said I asked to get out of here, you know, what I mean, because I was trying to get out of there, uh, my rookie year. Mm. Doc ass wasn't playing me. I was trying to get up out of there, so I was like, okay, cool. Trade happened by trade. It happens to happen. Two days passed. Danny called me like, you ain't going nowhere. So I said, cool. I locked back in with Boston, and I, you know, not knowing that KG was like, nah, get him out of there, uh, keep him here. You know what I mean? So mm. that, you know, that that changed my career path right there. Mm-hmm. What does what 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 is your heritage? What what does the name Rajon Rondo come from? Rajon, my mama just made the shit up. You know what I mean? She, <laughs> this is a unique name that I, I appreciate to this day. So I, it ain't nothing. I think my uncle's name my uncle's name is Roderick, and I think she started with she wanted an R or something. This is made. This nigga said shit was made. Uh, uh, talk to us a little bit. Uh, you guys had a run. You guys won a championship. Obviously, the first taste of of the Lakers Celtics rivalry. Uh, oh, you guys man. got a chance to play uh, play against each other a few times. What was it like to be a twenty one year old point guard in the midst of the, the most historical rivalry uh, in the game? I was just locked into the moment. You know, it was it was a surreal moment understanding the history because the Celtics hadn't won. You know, since I was born. I think it was twenty one, twenty years. You know, prior to, to us getting there or being back into the championship. So. Uh, I had to watch a lot of tape and just understand, like, you know, all the greatness that I've, I'm pretty much a part of now and understand how big the rivalry was. And I didn't realize until, you know, the NBA Finals and the media hit. You know, once the media was there, it was it was like, damn, this is this is the real deal. And then all the attention and uh, porters from different countries, you know, at the event, it was like, this is uh, this is bigger than I imagined. So mm. it was dope at 21 just to be able to go through that. And then being, you know, playing for Boston, you know, the, I still say the best fans and you know one of the best fans that I've ever played play for those arenas. So they know the game. They're they're amazing fans and um, it was just like I said, great being in that town at the time, title town. Mm-hmm. You and Jack both won at young ages. You guys both had big uh, closeout game six. What was your experience like closing someone out on the biggest stage, Rondo? And then I want to compare to you know I want Jack to talk about his experience as well because for young players, a lot of motherfuckers they got them kind of balls. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking dominate. Like I said, Danny came to me before game six and was like, I don't give a fuck what you do. He was like, get him up. I said, what? Get him up? All right, cool. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> so I just kind of went in the mentality, like I said, and just shot and shot the shot the ball. And I knew that aggressive play, uh, well, I intended and hoped that that aggressive play would, would propel us to get a, a victory. And like I said, we beat the shit out of that year. So uh, it, was, it was an all-around team effort. So. I think for me, and it was similar, you know, to Ronda, I'm pretty sure, but just having Tim Duncan have the confidence in me, I think for me not playing, to me starting, to me getting all those shots and making big shots, it all started and had something to do with Tim. And when you got the best player believing in you, you got the best player telling the coach that you need to start, you got the best player coming to you, uh, believing you to throw you the pass at the end of the game, that boosts your confidence. So for me, right. having Tim to have my back and let me know that I belong in this game, that I belong on this team, that I'm a big part of this team, that's what helped me as a young guy. So. When I, in, anytime you have a young guy that you know that they're going to be a big part of your team, it's imperative that the star players give them that confidence. Mm-hmm. Thanks.
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare talk about it what was the process of growing because you had to grow fast and learn fast and and when would you say like you were kind of handed the keys to the car, you know, along with the, the, with three Hall of Famers that are rolling with you? Handed the keys, I, I think I kind of gained them throughout the playoffs. That that first year of playoff run we had, you know, we uh, we had a tough battle against the Hawks. You know, I mean, we went seven, you know, we went seven, seven, six, six. I think, um, I think at the time it was the most you know games played mm-hmm. to win the championships and shit like that, like twenty six games. So, you know, we were battle tested. You know, shit, I pretty much played every game seven. You know what I mean? I think I had an impact on those games seven. I think it just grew, you know, going into the playoffs that year. Um, you know, every, everybody understand their role. You know, I want to be the best role player possible and make my guy's job easy. You know, that was just my mindset going into the game. Whatever I can do to make y'all, uh, make y'all shit easy. You know what I mean? If you, you're shooting 52%, I want to get it to 55. You know what I mean? Just little things like that as far as just having them understand that, you know, I want the best for them. So it wasn't a problem. Um, they gave me the keys. Doc gave me the keys. And it was... It was through time, through film, through working, through a lot of criticism. Like I said, shit, even when we won it, me and Doc still was butting heads. Me and Doc probably bumped heads the first four or five years. You know what I mean? It was just um, point guard, point guard, understanding game from what I saw, what he saw. So it wasn't um, nothing. It was something for I coach. I look forward to doing as well. You know what I'm saying? Just teaching the game, understanding the game with what my point guard sees or the guy I'm, I'm helping or even Trey this year. You know what I mean? I love it. I'm going to enjoy picking his brain, understanding like what he sees and how I can help You know, get him you know, whatever level he's trying to get to, which is probably the best. So I look forward to that. So just having those vets, man, it, it was big in the locker room for me. Coming off that, you guys had a big uh, 2010 run, uh, knocking Wade off, uh, Braun, 
uh, our Orlando team um, to get to a reach match with the Lakers. Um, Did we sweep y'all? What was that? No, nah, remember. So we had we man. Who was I talking to about this? Was it Vince? I was pissed because we had beat y'all three one that season, and we got going into the Eastern Conference Finals. And Stan got scared, like, "Yo, this is a veteran team. We got to change up this, this, and that." Switch the whole game plan, man. So y'all was up three. Remember, you guys were up three, three nothing, and then we won two in a row. And then y'all beat us in okay. Game Six. Bullshit. So we thought we were, yeah, we thought we was going to the finals that year. But anyway, you guys whooped our ass. Um, and we talked to Paul Pierce, obviously, uh, last year um, on the show, and he said that Game 7 loss in 2010, he still hasn't been able to watch. How tough was that after tasting it the year before, getting back and then not getting a chance to, to, to taste it again? Uh, it, was, it was difficult. It was, uh, you know, something that plays in my mind as far as whenever I watched the finals, you know, understanding, like, shit, we were up 3-2. You know what I mean? With two games to go, like, we didn't get the job done, so... You know, I don't try to live in the past too much by understanding what I had and how precious it is to get to the finals and not taking that for granted because, you know, you can even if you get there, you still can be up in a series and lose a motherfucker. So it was like that was just my mentality coming into this year, understanding like, shit, we gave these boys life, you know, when, when the Heat won their first game. So understanding like I've been up in the finals and it ain't, you know, coming back and losing that bitch ain't what you want to be, it ain't what you want to live with. So, uh, you know, I think maybe, you know, that helped me you know, inspire guys or to, to bring a little bit more this year in the finals. But nevertheless, it's still something in your mind. You know, I've been in the finals three times, one, one, two. You know, it's not a bad, but understanding we were up. We were up even going into the fourth. That's the crazy part. Mm. We were up going to the fourth and, uh, you know, still took the L. But like I said, key role players made plays. They stepped up and, you know, in the championship, it's going to take everybody. You've mentioned Doc a couple of times in this interview. How – instrumental or, or how much did you learn from him in your early years to kind of shape who you are um, as a floor general and as a man? Man, he, he, he was big in my life, on and off the court. Um, you know, whatever I had problems, anything I was going through, whatever we were going through on the court, you know, it never uh, wavered how, you know, our relationship was off the court. So, um, you know, he was definitely big as, you know, uh, being a black male mentor in my life at 20 years old coming to the game. Uh, understanding, you know, what I needed to be, become a, you know, a great young point guard that he, you know, was or how he played back in the day as far as, you know, how he was able to impact the game. So uh, I was I was fortunate. I was lucky, man. Like I said, I always say, you know, you're as good as your coach believes in you mm. in, in certain sports and uh, pretty much every sport. And he gave me the keys. Uh, like I said, we bumped, we bumped heads, you know, a couple of years in a row, but it was still far, as far as a, a mentality of him wanting the best for me. And I'm appreciative to understand that I got fortunate to play for a coach like Doc. I could have been with 10 other coaches and mm-hmm. shit, I'm, I could have been out of the league. You know what I mean? If I got a Rick Carlisle ass, you know what I mean, first, and who, you know, who knows? So um, I'm just appreciative of the idea to play for Doc. What was it like being uh, after leaving the Celtics, like before becoming a Laker, your career after leaving Boston? Like once you become a Boston uh, Celtic and you win champions there, you become a legend in Boston. And you kind of become a staple in that community. And some players don't want to leave. Paul was able to stay. And I, I thought you was one of those guys that would finish their career in Boston, one of those Boston Celtics uh, Hall of Famers. What was life like after leaving, you know, the Celtics before getting to the Lakers? Uh, to be honest, it was so crazy you said that shit. I was just talking about that like three days ago, maybe two. Um, uh, it's, it's certain ways to look at it. You know what I mean? Like, I look at, you know, guys like a Dirk, you know, who lived in Dallas his whole life, you know, um, you know, other players who played their career at one place, it's like, 
when I was young or when I was playing the game and I was living in Boston, I, I felt that way. I was like, okay, this could be, you know, some shit Tim Duncan did, players like that. But, but at the end of the day, like I said, once I was I was traded, uh, being able to live in different cities, man, like I'm, I'm enjoying it. What that life experience, like now I figure out where I want to live. I played in the best cities in the world and got paid to do it. So it's like, shit, I, you know, I'm, I'm, enjoy, I'm enjoying life. I, I, I'm glad I didn't stick in Boston, uh, you know, my entire career. You know, I lived there for eight and a half years. I got to experience that. Now I get to experience a little bit of Sacramento. Amazing mm-hmm. time in SAC. I had some wild shit going on in my basement downstairs in SAC, which, you know what I mean? I had other interests uh, in life. Uh, that was fun. Uh, it, means it was a dope experience. Like I said, so I was, you know, with that perspective, like living in Chicago, uh, you know, I lived downtown uh, in the Triangle, like, you know, that type of lifestyle, condo living. That, that was that was fun. Uh, you know, the city of New Orleans was different. Like, I drove an hour every day to, to practice in New Orleans, you know what I mean? Just because. I'm really particular about where I live in my home. Like, that has to be my happy place when I leave the arena or practice, wherever the place may be. Like, I told you I'm a homebody, so my career got to be, you know what I mean, like a lovely place and enjoyable, you know, great vibes type of feel. So um, I, I love it, you know what I mean, being able to experience the, the different the different cities and different climates and enjoy life. So I, I don't look back at it on and regret it. Um, you know, shit could have went differently, but it's all about perspective for me. And, and like I said, I. I'm trying to figure out where I want to live the rest of my life, but living this type of lifestyle and understanding, like I said, I've got to experience so many different cities. Uh, my mind is thinking differently now. How was it playing with Boogie and AD? Whew. Mm. Two of my favorites, yo. That's what Two I want to know. Two of my favorites, yo. I, as y'all seen, you feel my career now. I've been trying to play with them two the last four or five years, yo. They they wanted one and two the best to do in the game. And uh, I call them Tim Duncan and David Robinson on steroids. That's what I call them too, especially when they was I'm in New Orleans. I'm telling you, um, listen. When I got with them in New Orleans, I I thought I had it figured out. I thought I had the blueprint <laughs> to success. We was gonna shock the world with that group, yo. Cause towards yeah, I believe it. I believe we it. We had a big three, it. and uh, what was so dope about that is at first, um, you know, cause in '80, you know, they they both would go get try to go get fifty. And uh, I'm like, cuz, nigga, you can, you could damn near have a triple-double with this lineup. You know what I mean? Like, let 80 get to 50, you get 15, 15, and 20. You know what I mean? Like, kill it that way. And then you got you got Drew in the pick and roll that you can't fuck with. You know what I mean? So it's like, nigga, we got a, a baby big, uh, uh, a monster big three over here that niggas ain't even, they sleeping on. Like I said, if, I was, if we would ever get uh, Golden State in the playoffs with cuz, 80 mm-hmm. Andrew, come on, man. I'm not about they going to match up with that. Because you, you got to put Draymond on cuz. Yep. Yeah. You know what he trying to do, but he bully basketball. So mm-hmm. we get that nigga in foul trouble early. Then like I said, who gonna who gonna check AD? It's not. It's y'all was night. missing. Y'all was missing uh-huh. uh, Matt Barnes and Ron Artest and Steven Jackson. Y'all was missing that three guard that could defend and shoot. Y'all had everything else. You Drew Boogie and AD. Y'all just needed that three guard. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even talk about. I wouldn't. Even, I didn't even need to be on the, on the court. Them three on the court, you can't stop them, bro. You can't stop them. You put them in a C action, you put Cuz the elbow with the ball. Now he's making a play. Yeah. Drew pinned down for 80. Like, what you going to switch? Like, you can't, Pick, you your, can't poison. Pick, Pick your, your poison. Pick your poison. You can't, you can't stop everything. How tough knowing, you know, obviously K- Kentucky ties, but then just being a good dude, you got a chance to play with him in Sacramento. I think Cuz is so misunderstood. How I'm tough is it for you, you as, a, as a brother Seeing him go down when he finally got into position, he was up for two hundred plus million that year, mm-hmm. and y'all had a hell of a team. What was that like to you as a brother, just seeing him have to go through all that shit? It was it was sickening, and the disrespect on his name, and man, man. you know, even even to this day now, it's like y'all, this nigga, 
can arguably Quick. be the best center in the game. Y'all, I don't know if like you niggas seeing like when he gets the ball, like or what you scared of, but he a great dude, yo. You know what I mean? Like if you know, some people are, are like that. If he smell blood, he gonna eat. But you know, if you stand up for yourself or you speak up, he ain't he gonna he gonna respect that. You know what I mean? Understand that. Okay, cool. I understand where you're, but if not, you know, people you know are intimidated by his his dominant presence and his demeanor. But like I said, you get to know the man. Uh, he's one of my favorite teammates. Uh, of all time, uh, I love playing with him, and I think he's one of the best to ever do it, yo. I, I hated that he went down back to back injuries like that, and and like I said, just even like I said, those two with them two, they could change the game back to where niggas looking for big mans because we, right? we, we can stretch the floor all we want, but shit, the, the game is one of the paint. I mean, that motherfucker, you can't stop him. He gonna demand. I'm saying this now. Demand a double. I'm saying this now. Boogie Cousins, Boogie Cousins, comeback player of the year. Watch. I hope man, so, man. What if he? Watch. If he's healthy, if he's healthy, mm-hmm. he gonna fuck it up down there. I already know that one thousand mm-hmm. percent. Ain't nobody. You, you, he yeah. gonna demand a double for sure. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm glad well, he got say, another shot. Yeah, I mean, I say to be honest with you, you could we could go back and forth, but as far as skilled centers, he's probably the most skilled big man we've ever seen. From there was not a hole in his game from the block to the three point line. There wasn't a hole. What, he had what, everything. You know what I love about that motherfucker, boy, is when we play Sacramento, when I was stuck with him, you know, before every game was a big man, we had to play against, he'd be like, nigga, I'm about to fuck this nigga up. I'd be like, ooh, I can't wait to get you the ball, big fella. He's I love it. I love to hear 50. that. Like, he won. He was like, nigga, I'm ready to fuck. All them other bigs they talking about that was cool. I ain't going to say no name, but he was fucking them all up, yo, and they know that. Them niggas was mm, friends. Niggas. Niggas, niggas was getting thrown out the game because they don't play against this nigga, man. He was an animal. Like, and they was, watching they film, were scared of it. Listen, watching Ooh. film back when, like I said, I told you how, like I watched myself, and I used to watch Cuz when I was in SAC. Man, that nigga, the shit he used to do, like on film that you didn't even see, unreal, yo. He was, he reminded me a lot of a little bit of KG. You know what I mean? Like he might, you know, what I mean, boom, give you one of these, you know, off the rebound. A nigga, a nigga ain't saying nothing. Like he just, he was a bully, yo. And, and mm-hmm. uh, he, he could, he could talk about, it. he can back it up with his game. He go get you fifty and twenty, like easy. E- e- that's what I'm saying. World. Easy. And, but like Easy. you said, don't sleep on how good he could pass the motherfucking ball. Oh, like I said, he could really I... average a triple double. That's how good he Easy. is. Easy. He's going to demand a double. He can throw one hand, wrap around any pass you mm-hmm. name. And he can bring the bitch off the, off the, uh, off the glass. I used to give me the ball. He'd be like, all right. But I used to have to let him bring it up the court. Like, he was too good mm-hmm. not to me trying to, like, okay, let me go get the bar every time. Nah, he, <laughs> right, he, he, he got it. I got, I got to get out of the way. I got to run the flow. Mm-hmm. Let me try to set a step up or something. Shit, let me get involved. But he was, he, he, could, he could play, yo. He had some moves. Yeah, that boy could play. <clears throat> yeah, man, I hope, you know, all for all of, you know, for his sake, but definitely coming from all of us, man, I hope he has a healthy bounce back year because he was, it, it was sad the way the game was taken from him at the, at the point of career where he was at. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? He was still young. Like I said, he was on the brink of $200 million. Never get the $200 million back. But I think at the end of the day, he just wants to play. He just wants to be healthy and have a chance. And hopefully he'll have that in Houston, man. So if you see this, you big, ugly motherfucker, good luck. <laughs> That's my boy, though. I love Boogie. I had a chance to play with him in Sacramento, man. And it was almost like I was a cousin whisperer. Like, they would come to me because Rondo right. knows he don't, re- he don't really fuck with or respect too many people. But he, when he respects you, he'll listen to you. So I'm sure, he, I'm sure Rondo had his ear, but I had his ear, too. So it was me kind of like, 
because Jack, you know me and you, like for me to have to try to calm down you or you to try to calm down me, just seeing his young fire was like us in in, in, in Golden State. So me just trying yep. to, you know, ma- maneuver him through the technical fouls and you don't need all this Facts. and let me handle this and right. let me get in trouble for you. Like, let me, but he was figuring it out, man. And I really think, you know, it, it, it's sad how quick people forget. But then, like you said, the disrespect put on his name because he was the coldest big in the game when he was healthy. Yep. No question. Ending up in Los Angeles, what was that process like for you? And did from your early days, did you ever think you would be a Laker? I didn't think I'd be a Laker, but at the time, yo, I had two teams called. So shit, I mean, I had no other. You know, what was my option? <laughs> One of them. Fucking time, I ain't hate. Who was the other team? Different. Who was the other team? I think it might have been New Orleans at the time. Okay, no mistake, bro. You went to Lake, yeah, nigga. Hey, you, you offer me some money. What are you talking about? The league trying to get me out of here. What you want me to do? Straight, straight up. Magic straight up. Straight up. Hell yeah. What? That's you got funny. all my niggas out here. I'm, not, I'm trying to figure it out. Shit, so. That's how I go. That's just how I go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Quick turnaround. You going into your 15th year. What it, where, where's your body at? Where's your mind at? You guys literally just finished, what, two and a half months ago, and you guys start soon. Um, where's your mind at mentally and physically? Man, I feel great. I'm locked in. Uh, like I said, I'm down A, and I'm on it. Like I said, I got the game plan to uh, watch a little bit of tape as far as uh, offensive sets they want to run this year. Uh, so I got to figure out quickly, you know what I mean, how to manipulate the game and uh, who to put people in certain spots. So uh, I'm enjoying the process so far. Uh, it's different, yo. The game is different now. Like this league shit, how we got this COVID testing, and we got the schedule so crazy. Like we can't even interact with our teammates for the most part uh, in the locker room. You know, it's like we're we're in groups of four right now, and uh, you know you got training table, you got weight room, court. Get your ass out, mm-hmm. straight like that. You know, what I mean, ain't no ain't no sitting around the locker room talking to the guys, getting to know one another. They trying to get you out of there, and we in the locker room with mask on. Um, yeah, you know, what I mean, talking. So it's just it's a little bit different. Um, you know, still trying to maneuver how to. You know, get the chemistry and the camaraderie with guys. We taking four buses this year. You know what I mean? It's like only a certain amount of people on the bus at a time. So it's like it's, it's crazy. It's, you know, we all have to adjust and adapt to it, which would be fine. But uh, you know, it's, it's different, and I'm just trying to like just just adapt and enjoy the process, getting settled, uh, learn the system. But you know, it, it is what it is. Like I said, I feel great, and what's even satisfying is. We've been doing a couple of full court drills, you know, here and back and forth. And, and what I pride myself on now is like I never get a drink. So it's, it's, it's a feeling to see a couple of the young guys over there, you know what I mean, gasping for air a little bit and, and get water and shit. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm all right. Good, I'm right. seeing you. I'm 34. These yeah, are 22. Yeah. One. Hey, if the, <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. If, if the drug tester was like it was now, man, we could have played all year round. Uh, easy. Easy. <laughs> easy. All year round, Easy. I don't need a break. As right. long as I can burn oh, yeah. it down, I'm ready all year round, oh, my nigga. Let's go. Hey, well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I did, I, I did. Like I burned it down my whole entire career. But it's funny because I took pride in being the one most, the most in shape people. If you look back when Facts. I played, like I was always top ten in miles during the season because my game was running and I loved to run. But I knew I had to bust my ass in the summertime because I was gonna smoke that much weed to get me through the season and i need because yeah. to me it wasn't really the alcohol it wasn't the pills but fuck my stomach up so i knew i had to go above Facts. and beyond my cardio so i could burn my tree during the season mm-hmm. straight up yep what were those experiences like i i've removed myself obviously retired from basketball i don't miss playing at all not one bit but you touched on something kicking it in the locker room most of the time after practice was some of the funnest times of my life 
just sit there, talk shit, ice. Sometimes you stay right. in that bitch for two hours just talking shit <laughs> with someone laugh. and laughing, laughing right. the whole time. That's like no bullshit. That's one of the things I miss is just that locker room time. And like you said, with COVID, obviously it's not the same feeling, but touch on how just fun them locker room times were with, you know, you could just had a hell of a practice or a tough ass game sometimes. I mean, like you said, I, I can't remember good enough. You know, that, that's the best times, y'all. Even like I said, me playing with so many different teams, y'all, all, all the guys, the chemistry, the, the, the fun times were in the locker room, mm-hmm. you know, either whether it's before the games or, uh, after practice, it was it was a lot of crazy things, and uh, mm-hmm. like, that's a funny story that, when I, that comes to mind <laughs> when you said that. So we um, say, there's we so many there's so many there's so many stories that all the funnest stories come from the motherfucking locker room. Trust me. Listen, we in the motherfucking we uh, we in New Orleans a couple years back, and uh, we got some gamblers on the team. We we, we gambling or whatever throughout the what season. What team? What what team were you on? I'm in New Orleans. I'm, I'm with the Pelicans. Okay. I'm with the Pelicans. So no, so we're actually in like. So what happened was we had a delay. The uh, the arena had a leakage in it. So we're sitting in our uniform in the locker room and it's a delay. So I'm like, shit, like let's get it in. Like niggas owe money, whatever. So let's, <laughs> let's get it in right here. Like, so we all in uniform, but they got us sitting in the locker room. Like we got to wait an hour and have to play the game. I'm like, man, play the game for it. You want us to sit? At-? We first of all warmed up. They stopped it. Right. They stopped it so we couldn't go out. I'm like, you want to sit in the locker room for an hour and a half and then go play a motherfucking game? I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, whatever. So we sitting there for whatever, chilling. Anybody doing that? Okay, cool. I'm like, fuck it, man, bring the cars out. We end up getting the cars out, gambling right there before the game. Mind you, we didn't yeah. play the game, but it was like this. We got it in. We picked out the cards. Like I said, this team shit, we was vibing, put the music on, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our, our general manager came in there. He was like, uh, y'all playing? We was like, nah, we ain't playing, nigga. Fuck you talking about? <laughs> you know, none of that. Y'all on some slave shit right here. Nah, we ain't gonna just sit now. You gonna go out here and fuck ourselves up? We just sit for two hours, cold hour, and then we gotta go out and play full sprint? Nah, we, it's Hell over. Yeah. So we end up gambling, getting it in. It was funny. Like I said, it, it was a good time. We, we we laughed about it to this day. And uh, you know, that, was, that was one of my fun locker room times. I can Man, imagine, that's... bro. I can imagine you, TA, Big Baby, KG, Perk, and Paul all in the same locker room, dog. That's common. That was classic. That's that comedy. <laughs> That's comedy. Me and KG got into a bad in the locker room once they had to practice too, though. Like, buckets of water throwing each other, like, tackling each other. Like, shit, we got some crazy moments too in the locker room. So, that's where it all go down. Yeah. That's where it all yeah. goes down. That made y'all yeah. closer, though. That made y'all closer, though. All, right. all that yeah. shit. Battle yeah. testing. All right, man, we down to quick hitters. Just first thing that comes to mind uh, when they ask these questions Who's one player you haven't played with that you wish you could have got a chance or would like to get a chance to play with? KD. Ooh, motherfuckers are in trouble this year, man. I didn't see film on KD in the summertime because he was playing at my uh, my homeboy Rico Hines runs. Mm-hmm. KD is back. Yeah, he'll probably. Mm. Shit mm-hmm. easy, shit easy. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he doing it. He can do it on both ends. So shit. Yes, yeah. yes, sir. You and four other players to go to the blacktop and run the court all day. Who you going? Who you? What four players you picking? The outdoors. Um, because. Cuz, um, Avery Bradley, of course, um, the mosquito. I'm gonna go with Drew. Drew Holiday. Oh, Lord, they not scoring on y'all for sure. Them two motherfuckers, <laughs> Avery, <laughs> Avery, and Drew. Uh, who my, who my, who my forward? I'm out. Just fuck with KG. I mean, shit. Oh gonna, my God. Bring it. Yeah, that's uh, y'all. Y'all definitely gonna win all day. So you, Bradley, uh, KG. Drew. Drew and Boogie. 
Oh, yeah, we're going to blacktop. And y'all go, yo, hey, y'all go win one way or another. You most likely <laughs> gonna win on the open clothing, but y'all gonna have a great chance of winning in a scrap too if it come down to it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, right now, for you, top five artists. So, who are you listening to the most? Little baby, um, little baby, uh, J Cole, Drake, and Twenty One. Yeah. Mm. 21, 21, 21, This, this kind of lead, leads me into my next question. Uh, you've been name dropped by several artists, uh, Wayne, J. Cole, Pusha, uh, Tiger, Trey, to name a few. What's been your favorite name drop thus far? Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe Jeezy, he had one. I know he had one. I mean, like, there's a couple of them that I like. like that's... Uh, you know, they're old now. They're old as shit now. <laughs> <laughs> they they still dope, though. That Jesus was Ron dope. Hey, That's just, huh? what, what was it like hearing, like, you mean, you're a kid from Louisville, Kentucky. Like, what was it like right. hearing dudes you look up to in a whole nother space talk, you know, talk shit about hey, you? But, but Matt, one of the famous yeah. lines is all, all rappers say, I keep a nine on me like Rondo. That's what that's, 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 that, that, that's, 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 that's their yeah, favorite that's, line. That's their favorite Or that green on me, like, yeah, okay, right. Or oh, whatever. So. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's unreal, yo. It's it's so it's so much. It's, it's dope how much love I get, especially in our community. You know what I mean? When I'm out in the clubs, wherever I go, like niggas love me, and it's like, you know what I mean? You be respected and loved by your peers like that. Um, you know, being where I'm from, like I said, it's this dope feeling, and being able to be mentioned in so many rap songs. Uh, you know, now like I said, my kids get a kick out of it, <laughs> and uh, you know, like I said, it's dope. It's dope, it's dope to have that. You know, that experience to be a part of something as far as. Uh, our rap history. Favorite point guard battle? D Rose. D Rose. D the God. Two mm. point guards. Mm. Mm. His rookie year. <sighs> Gil, Gil, is that nigga seven games? Problem. Straight up. Can you compare a prime time D Rose to anyone you've ever either, either played against or seen? Can you compare him to anybody? Nah, man. Anybody. See, I was about to say, you can't. Ain't nobody fucking with him. Like, in the seven games here when he was healthy, boy, he putting your ass in trouble. You on your heels the whole game. The mm. whole game. And ain't, ain't, ain't no one person in front of him. You got a whole scouting port on him for sure. That's, what, that's how yeah. we have Pack it. the paint. Pack the paint. And he's still getting there and <laughs> jumping still, over everybody. He's still going to get in there. But yeah. then he can, he, hey, yeah. he can hit that little one dribble pull up, too. He's hitting that, too. He's hitting threes when he's rolling. Like, he was a problem. He, he was too explosive, yo. I mean, he's, he was a for sure one-man fast break. Every night. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, five dinner guests, dead or alive? Pac. Mm -hmm. Biggie. Mm. Uh, Jay-Z. Mm. Uh, Oprah. Mm. Mm -hmm. My mom. That's oh, that's up. gonna be a dope one. That's gonna be Hell a dope yeah. one. You got some, you got you got you got some warriors and some entrepreneurs at the table, mm -hmm. and 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 two queens. You can't lose. Who do you want to see on all the smoke? Whatever your answer is, you have to help us get this guest on. Josh Smith. Oh, that'd be a good one. Of course, man. I think I, I seen him. Re I, I seen, but I seen him recently. I told him I, I wanted to have him on the yeah. show. You know, that'd be a good one. That'd be a good one. I like that. Yeah, cool with that. Hey, hey, Atlanta guy too. So you know he here in Atlanta yeah. too, at Matt. So we can get him. Right. Yeah. Hey, uh, something that just came to my mind just while we were doing these quick hitters, and I wouldn't be me if I didn't ask it. What's the deal with you and CP3? 
What's the deal with us? Yeah. Like, to me, like, not – I don't know you, know you, played against you a long time. I'm getting to know you now, knowing CP. CP's an acquired taste. But I see very a lot of similarities as far as the way you guys manage the game and think and are leaders. But you guys just butt heads, and sometimes they, that shit happens. What it, what, they both what they, it? they both too damn smart. That's what it is. <laughs> I, you think you think you're smart, and I'm smart, nigga. I'm the smartest point guard in the game. No, I am. Well, That's now what I'm gonna it punch, is. But now I'm going to punch you in the face because I think I'm smarter. <laughs> nah, listen. Hey, I ain't got no problem about it, man. I'm, uh, I just love to compete. You know what I mean? Obviously, he does as well, and, and mm-hmm. we just go at it. You know, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't like I said me now. I don't feel like it's personal. Uh, that situation right. happened, you know. Obviously, right. the heat of the moment, but uh, I just try to you know, go at him every time I can. And that's just any point guard I play against. It's nothing mm-hmm. particularly about yep. like I'm getting elevated in the game for him and shit. I'm trying to fuck everybody up. So it is what it is. That's between him. the lines. That's yeah. what goes on between the lines. Well, I mean, that was a throwback basketball to me. I mean, you know, me and Jack. That's me and Jack speed. So when I seen, it, I was like, okay, I like this. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, he I, got some yeah, shit, I, yo. He, yeah, he's he's, uh, he's clever. You know what I mean. I, I watch him play and understand. Oh, he dirty too now. That, you know that, that's my boy, but he one of the dirtiest <laughs> motherfuckers in the game. Oh, sure. just, I, I gotta say that, he, that, that is my boy. I, I fight for CP, but he is one of the dirtiest players ever in the NBA, dog. Hands down. Mm, mm, mm. CP three. Hey man, well that's a wrap. Thank you, Rajon, for your time, man. Congratulations on the win. Hope you enjoyed the off season and good luck in Atlanta. Jack, hell yes, of a sir. show. Good job, bro. Uh, hey, you can catch this on Showtime Basketball YouTube or the iHeart platform Black Effects. We'll see y'all next time. Peace. This is All a Smoke, a production of the Black Effect and iHeart Radio in partnership with Showtime. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. 